Strength of the Things That Remain podcast. We're glad you're here. I'm Bradley Boone. On my right here is uh, Todd McKinn, and we're privileged to have with us uh, this evening the one, the only. Oh, no. Preacher Joe Arthur. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Camp <laughs> Meeting. Well, that was Billy Kelly. <laughs> that was Billy Kelly. <laughs> but I'm glad to be with you. I'm preaching right across right the, the road. Yep. Yep. The Yancey County Baptist Camp Meeting. And Looking forward to it. Yes, sir. Uh, Preacher, we want to just get, uh, I mean, everybody knows you. Everybody that's going to watch this podcast knows you. Just tell us you, tell us your story a little bit. Uh, just start from the day you got saved and come right. on up. Give me to look at you or look at that. You, you look at that, look at me, you look at whatever. That's probably a better view. <laughs> but, uh, of course, I, everybody knows I was born and raised into a, an old-fashioned preacher's home. Uh, Daddy preached and Mama shouted. Amen. And I am not... Shame, let's clear that right now. Yeah, of my heritage, my raising, my background, it was wonderful. And I know there's probably people that have stories to tell, but I don't. Yeah, my mom and daddy were true blue, they were the same thing at home as they were at church. That they, I hear people say, Well, there were no perfect parents. I understand that, but I tell you, mine was close, right? And uh, man, they made me want to know God, they made me want to know who God is. I, I like to tell that my daddy was Baptist. He grew up Baptist, Baptist born, Baptist bred, but quiet, reserved, you know, dignified. Well, my mama, all her people, you know, were Church of God. In fact, you know, my great aunt was a preacher. It runs in our family. <laughs> but, you know, so daddy and her got to, uh, Dayton. daddy was a nice man, and uh, he was delivering ice to her house, and they kind of started sparking, and uh, they fell in love, got married, and and uh, had three three beautiful daughters. Oh, that's my sisters. <laughs> and uh, then Daddy got born again, Amen. got the real thing, Amen. got saved. Not long after that, called to preach, and he told Mom. He said, "Let's try to have one more child. Let's pray to be a man child. Pray God to save him and call him to preach." Now I didn't know none of this for a long time. And so July the 22nd, 1962, which is right around the corner, I was born. Uh, I was about a week old, went to, the, went to church, been going ever since. They dedicated me to the Lord and uh, grew up in Danville, Virginia for a while, then Ronald Crappets, North Carolina for a while, then got saved when daddy pastored in Reedsville. In 1979, uh, we moved to Reedsville and uh, I was singing in this little group in the church and religious, very religious, but uh, lost. I didn't know Christ for myself. And our little youth group went over to sing at the Canaan Baptist Church in a revival. And a young preacher, a young preacher from the hills of Tennessee named Stennett Ballou in his <laughs> mid-30s came to preach that meeting. And uh, he preached on Monday night, the boy about the five loaves and the two small fishes. He preached on Tuesday night, Romans 12, 
about beseech you therefore, brethren. We didn't go Wednesday because we was at Daddy's church. Well, Thursday, I went by myself. Just I just went over there. He had a boy named David my age, and we kind of started being buddies. And so I went over there, sitting on the front row of that church. And that night, Brother Blue preached on where Paul said in Galatians, I buried my body, the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, of course, that refers to physical beatings. Mm -hmm. He said, but there are some spiritual marks. And he went through the word of God. And like, if you're, if you are a true believer, you will have these, you know. Right. And so I began to check that list off. Scared me to death for the first time in my life. You know, I realized, man, I'm lost. I didn't right. say it scared me so bad. I didn't go down front. I just froze in my seat. And that, that, that was really tough because dad was well known and everybody respected him and, and be honest with you, you know, they respected our family and I just couldn't figure this out. But anyway, got home that night and as Wade Huntley would say, Wade, the white flag of surrender <laughs> and got saved in my bedroom. Uh, that was in 1979, in June on a Thursday night. Then about a, almost two months later, uh, I surrendered to preach, driving my Chevrolet pickup truck, uh, coming out of 158 out of Henderson. We'd heard Dad preach that night, and I was I was following him and Mom. You know, when you get 16, you can't ride with your parents, man. That ain't right. cool, you know. So I'm riding in that pickup truck. Boy, God's been dealing with me, you know. And where 158 runs into Interstate 85 in Oxford, North Carolina. Uh, I went to pull out, and brother, I almost pulled out in front of a transfer truck, big logging truck. You couldn't get a piece of tissue paper between my bumper, and it just shook. And the Lord said, all right, you preach or you die. And mm. you choose. Well, I started preaching. <laughs> and uh, that was in 1979. And uh, in 1981, we moved to Marion, Virginia, and then in 1984, I took uh, the church in Georgia, where I've been at now for 37 years. Uh, Brother Mays Jackson's best friend was Jack Hughes, and he was a member of that church. And they got without a preacher. And we was over at Ralph Sexton's at mm -hmm. the Land of the Sky. Mm -hmm. I was playing guitar with Billy Kelly. And Mays said, Brother Mays said, Joe, are you going to marry that girl you've been dating? The Bible said a, a pastor's got to be the husband of one wife, and you don't even have one. You're unscriptural. <laughs> Just picking at me, you know. And he said, uh, you're going to get married? I'm going to recommend you to that church. So I got ordained, married, and took a church in one week's time. Oh, my. Billy Kelly said, you had to go do it all. <laughs> but Julie and I got married in October of 84, uh, November of 84. I actually took the church in October of 84. And we moved out of the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia to Atlanta, Georgia. It was like the clamping. <laughs> Culture shock. But we took that little church in 84, and I was 22. She was 19. Somebody asked me, they said, why did they call y'all? Y'all were so young. Simple. They couldn't get nobody. <laughs> and when you're better than nothing, you'll get a lot of opportunities. And so we took the church, and then... Uh, we just kind of started from there, and I went to a local Bible college to, to get my education there, Emmanuel Baptist College, and uh, 
And then about 1990, the Lord began to open doors for me. And by 92, you know, he was very gracious to me and began to preach, you know, nearly every week. And then the, the church has been so understanding of my ministry. I, right. I'm so grateful. Amen. They've worked with me, not against me. Right. And it's just been a wonderful journey. And I've met a, a lot of wonderful friends along the way. Amen. And uh, we've come this far by faith. And it's his ship and his trip. And I'm just glad to be riding the boat. Amen. Amen. God is good. <clears throat> Get you back to the Strength of the Things That Remain podcast very soon, I promise. But we want to talk to you just a minute about the Blue Ridge Baptist Bible College. Me and Todd, I know this is hard to believe, but we are college professors. Isn't that right? <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> I mean, we're professors. You're, you're the doc. Professors yeah. at the Blue Ridge Baptist Bible College. And we'd love to have you in the upcoming semester. It starts in August, uh, toward the end of August. I'm not got an exact date. Reach out to us on Facebook, and we can get you more information about it. It's available as a completely online version if you want, or you can come and be in person uh, for the upcoming semester. Either way, we'd love to have you in Bible college. It's very affordable, about $300 a semester. And uh, you pick up the book cost, of course, but $300 a semester, and you can be at Blue Ridge Baptist Bible College. Think it's worth their time? I think it is. We have a great time. We yeah. have a great time. And uh, uh, I think it'd be a blessing to you. Well, we hope you'll reach out to us. Now back to more of the Strength and the Things That Remain podcast. We would be remiss if we didn't get some Billy Kelly stories. I know. <laughs> tell, tell us, how did you get first hooked up with Brother Billy? It's amazing. It's amazing because he didn't know our family. Our family didn't know him. But Maze Jackson was the connecting rod. He preached all over Reedsville, Dan, Reedsville, North Carolina, Danville, Virginia. In fact, Mays preached so much in North Carolina that if you'd call his wife Dot, Dot, where's Mays? She'd say, honey, he's on the mission field. That <laughs> was in North Carolina. It was his bread and butter state. Right. Well, right. Hallelujah. And, uh, but anyway, he was preaching for Dad. And he said, Joe, I want you to meet Billy Kelly. You'd love old Billy Kelly. I played the guitar a little bit. And uh, he said, Billy likes that. He likes to play that old fiddle. You and him would, so Mays worked it out for me to come to Emmanuel Baptist Church, where Junior Dawson was the pastor, in Mount Airy, North Carolina, to meet Brother Billy. They had a little jubilee there. And he said, I want you to preach if you come. Now, you've got to understand, man, I'm 18 years old. And he said, I'm preaching on Thursday night. said, uh, Ralph Sexton's going to be there. I said, well, who's that? He said, you don't know Ralph. Under God, he's the, he, he's the dean of the mountain preacher. <laughs> so he said, now, I'm going to tell you, you need to do this, though. He said, you need to go first. I said, well, whatever. He said, here's why. I said, you can't follow Ralph Sr. He said, if he hits it, it'll be so far out, the FBI can't find it. <laughs> but if he misses it, God won't be nowhere around. <laughs> and he says, you can't. So I preached that night, and then Dr. Sexton came. Then Billy Kelly was there, and, and we just got to talking. We got to playing a few numbers together, and he looked at me, and big old tears, Brother Bradley, right out of his eyes. He said, I like you, boy. I like you. I want you to come down and see me. I want you to travel with me. I want you to be my buddy. I want you to be my companion. What he meant by that is he wanted me to drive his car, <laughs> shine his shoes, rub his back, carry his suitcases. And that's what I did. 
And I'd do it all over again. Amen. 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 Yes, sir. I'd do it all over again. Yes, sir. And then he, he invited me to start helping him at the Greer Camp meeting. And Brother Billy and I had a wonderful relationship for 15 years. It was from the time I met him to the, to the time I, it was almost to the week. From the time I met him in April to the, to the, I preached his funeral in April. It was almost, almost within a couple of days of meetings. I went right on the money of 15 years. What about that? And uh, we tra- I traveled with him and prayed with him and preached with him and ate with him. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, that's why Burnsville holds a special spot to me. Because the first place I went with Billy, the first place we went, I met him at his house. He said, now, Joe, we're going to Burnsville, North Carolina. So I'm up there in, at Double Island Baptist with Brother Arthur Woody yeah. in a meeting. And said, now we're going to stay in a cabin in the woods. Boy, I didn't know what all that meant. But I came to my first meeting to Burnsville at Double Island with Brother Billy. And then I traveled with him every week Amen. until I took the church. And, we did, and then we traveled together some then. But I helped him every year at the group camp meeting. And let me tell you something about, Brother, about Billy Kelly. He was the most honest sincere, no facade. What you see was what you got. It real. Right. And uh, no put on. But I'm telling you, he had a genuine heart for God and God's people. Amen. And uh, he was not only big in body, but he had a big heart. Yeah. I, you know, I'm sure... You had defining moments in your life. But you can look back and say, that was a defining moment. Right. One of the defining moments of my ministry, we were in Uley, Florida. This was the year before I got married. We were in Uley, Florida. Squire Parson had just went out on his own. Uh, Larry Montgomery was pastor of the, uh, I think called it Uley, uh, no, Nassau Baptist Temple. Ralph Sexton Sr. was there preaching in Billy was there to preach one night and lead the music. And Larry Richardson, the world famous banjo player was there. And I just played guitar in the background, just, you know, doing what he told me to do. Well, on, I won't ever forget it. It was a Wednesday night. They they wanted Brother Billy to preach. But the preacher got up and said, now before Brother Billy preaches, and for some reason, I can't remember this man's name. He said, I want this brother from Alabama, somewhere from Alabama, to uh, preach before Brother Billy. And like I said, I, 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 I feel bad that I can't remember his name, but the message was just like phenomenal. He preached on the cross. And to this day, it's probably the greatest sermon I ever heard on, on the cross. Uh, you know, sometimes you got meetings where people are shouting and right. running. And this was one of those all meetings. Yeah. Like, you didn't know what to do. And, and, and I looked over at Brother Billy, and Brother Billy said, Whoa, you pray for me. Boy, if there's any more preaching done in this room tonight, God, I have to do it. Well, I'm thinking, yeah, I wonder how he's going to handle this. Right. Well, that guy got through preaching, and I think Squire Parson or somebody saying, the moderator said, all right, Brother Billy, you come on. Well, Brother Billy gets up there, and he starts into that stuff. One yarn, what I mean, 
in about 10 minutes, all the God was gone. All the <laughs> yeah. anointing was gone. Everybody forgot that great message. And he's up there just, and I'm going, he killed it. He killed it. He killed that meeting. He knows better than that because I'm, you know, I'm 20. I don't yeah. everything. Well, <laughs> he gobbled around there about 10, 15, 20 minutes. He said, damn, hope your Bible. And brother, he lit into preaching on Belshazzar. And the handwriting on the wall, the I think the the last niggers last shenanigans. I could never pronounce that. <laughs> so, brother, about halfway through that sermon, oh, the anointing of God fell mm. on that man, fell on that whole building. Mm. Brother, he gave the invitation, and listen, I'm sincere. Brother Sammy would say, I'm sincere now. <laughs> He gave that invitation. That was a big church too. They were wall to wall in the altar, three and four rows deep, sobbing. People got saved. People got called to preach. People got rededicated, recapped. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just awesome. But after church, I'm driving that, that, that first red Dodge pickup truck that he got. And we're in that red Dodge pickup truck going back to the hotel. And I hear him. It's pitch black dark. And I, I hear him. He's crying. Well, I think he's sick or something, you know. So I turned the light on and I looked. And boy, he just cried. I said, what's wrong, Brother Billy? And this is what he said to me. He said, boy, I don't know why in the world God would use somebody like he did me tonight. <laughs> If I was God, I wouldn't even have saved me. Mm. Yeah. Must less use me. Mm. I turned that light off because that was sacred. Yeah. And then at that time, in this young preacher's heart, I said, I know why. Yeah. I know why. He never got over his raising. Mm. He never got over being such a terrible sinner. That's hard for me to imagine. Yeah. But he lived a wicked life and God saved him. Right. And he never got over that. Amen. And that was a defining moment in my life. I remember when I first started preaching, somebody gave me a VHS tape. Billy Kelly just telling yarns, you're on it. Playing the guitar, he's sitting in front of a fireplace. Laughing with Billy Kelly. We made that, Brother Bradley, in January before he died the next year in April. So that tape, was out about a year and three or four months before he died. And I'm so glad. A, a preacher named Bill Reese and Walter Burrell, they were big buddies and they loved Brother Billy. And they said, look, we better get Brother Billy on tape. Yeah. You know, telling all of that fun. Because, you know, VHS had just come out then, you know. And I'm, and that, that was Bill's place that we were at. He, he planned it all. He worked all of that out. And I am so thankful. Oh, yeah. Because Billy, I drove him down there that night. Billy was in a meeting that week with Dave McCoy at People's Baptist at McDonald. And he asked Brother McCoy, said, can I have a night off to go do this? And, of course, Dave McCoy is one of the finest preachers in shoe leather. And he said, yes, sir. So I drove him down there that night and drove him back so he could finish that meeting and I'm so glad we got to do it. And I'm so glad Billy got to see it. Because like I said, a year and a couple of months. 
Well, actually, by the time it was produced and it got out, it was probably right at a year. Right. And uh, but that that was awesome. Yeah. Telling those stories and everything. Yeah. And uh, Billy was unique. Uh, a lot of people didn't understand him. They thought he was just a big joke teller, and a, you know. But let me tell you something. He's well run deep. Yeah. And I'll tell you, he knew God. Yeah. He knew when God was a moving. In fact, another defining moment was at the Greer Captain. We're setting up there. Brother, it's locked down. I don't know what's wrong, but the whole meeting's locked down. The service is locked down. I mean, it's bad. You, you could just, it's locked down. And I looked at him. I said, do something. Sing. Do something. He looked at me and said, what do you want me to do? I said, well, do something. I said, wildfire's better than no fire. <laughs> Brother, let me tell you, he come across that pew with the back of his hand. He hit me in my gut. <laughs> I said, what was that for? He said, don't you ever say that again. He said, wildfire's not better than no fire. Because he said, boy, God killed people in the Old Testament for offering up wildfire. Yeah. He said, let me tell you something. This is God's meeting. And if God wants to do something, he'll do it. You just be quiet. I never brought that up again. <laughs> a few minutes, he looked over that Naomi Kelly and said, give me ye flat. He walked up there and started singing something. And it broke loose. They started riding piggyback, throwing flyer pots. <laughs> and he walked back over there and said, well, bless God, that blowed it out. Didn't it? <laughs> you know, just that was him. Yeah. Uh, I've seen him preach before and just quit. Middle, I'm in the middle of it. Let's get an invitation. That's it. Get in the car and I said, "What was that all about?" There wasn't no God in there. He yeah. said, "What no God in there?" And he said, "I'm not a performer." Amen. Amen. You know that's he. You know what he told me? He said, "He said, uh, he said somebody that shouts at the same place every time at the same point. That's mechanical." He told me this one time. He said, God's a sovereign. He don't have to duplicate himself. Yeah. Right. Right. Just little things like that. Yeah. And, uh, of course, there's some funny stuff. Probably better not tell. But we had a great time. We had a great time. He was God's man. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved him. Amen. I loved him. Amen. Well, you know, I can speak for myself just watching you over the years. You've always been one of my heroes. Oh, God's God's really blessed me the last two weeks because Mike Bagwell sat here last week. Oh, boy. One what of my preacher. heroes. Yeah. One of my heroes. And then you this week, another one of my heroes. I feel like that mantle fell on you. Uh, you've carried it. Uh, preached. You know, me and Todd were talking earlier. A lot of times, even in the independent movement, uh, certain circles like certain men, but somehow you've transcended that. Seems like every circle I know about, they love they love Bojo. Tell me about camp meeting. What do you see? Is it uh, old old time religions alive and well? Tell, tell uh, us about camp. Well, I just tell you this. Last week at the Greer camp meeting, two different nights, wasn't it, Alex? Two different nights. I did this. Uh, we we had probably the the nights I did this. We probably had around. 650 to 700 people there the nights we, I, that I did this. We had larger crowds, and, you know, but they, they were good crowds this year. But I think the night I did this, it was close to 700, maybe if not. I said, all right, I want everybody in the tabernacle tonight, 25 and under, stand. 
it was almost half of Amen. the tabernacle. Amen. I've seen more young preachers lately than I have in a long time. I've seen more young teenagers at camp meetings I have in a long time. And that's encouraging yeah. to me. Amen. <clears throat> yes. That's very encouraging to me. You know, uh, everybody's not jump ship. Right. Yeah. Everybody's not got some kind of wild goose chase there. Yeah. Right. And, and I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and let me just say this. Where the, it's, uh, and I don't like to use this word circle, but let's say styles. Right. Because we're all on the same page right. when it comes to doctrine right. and, and, and morals and the fundamentals of the faith. Right. But we're talking styles. Right. Whether you are a camp meeting style or a uh, or another type of independent Baptist style or whatever your style is, that there's good and bad and all. Right, right. I can tell you about Southern Baptist preachers that's fouled out. Right. I can tell you about independent Baptist preachers that's fell out. I can tell you about preachers that used to preach at the camp meeting or they used to preach at the Southwide or they used to preach at the Sword Conference or, you know, they, they, I'm just telling you, there's good and bad in every circle. Right. And I refuse, I refuse to focus on the bad and overlook the good because this is a testimony I've met more good than I have absolutely Shelton Smith said this to me one time editor of the soul of the Lord and I never thought about this he said he read all of Paul's writings and I can't remember the exact numbers but he read all of the writings of Paul and he had a list of all the particular names that Paul used in all his writings. Mm-hmm. Man, it was a list this yeah. long. Yeah. And out of a list of names that long, he only had something negative to say about five people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and don't quote me on these numbers, but I think it's over 45 to 50 names. Right. And like I said, it may have been more. It's been a while since he <clears> told me this, but he did a study on all the writings of Paul. And he listed, every time Paul would mention a name, he wrote it down. And it was over 45 to 50 some names. And out of them, there was only five that he had something negative to say about. Right. And then he wasn't assassinating their character. He was just telling you what they had, you right. know, done right. wrong in the, in, in the church. Right. And this is what he said. He said, that tells me the good outweighs the bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, and... I've pastored 37 years at the same church, and you know, I, I promise you, we've had more good members than we've had bad. Right? Yeah, right. And, and, I, and I'm telling you, whether you're independent Baptist or Southern Baptist or a Church of God or, uh, or whatever, I promise you, there's been great men, more great men, uh, than there has been bad. Right. The thoughts right. of faith. Right. And I'm not going to focus on the faults and the faith. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. Amen. And thank God for the good men yes. that made an impact in our life. Amen. Yeah, that's right. Amen. How, how many meetings do you preach a year now? Well, I usually start traveling the, the first week or so of January. And of course, I try to be home on Sundays. And uh, then I slow down after Thanksgiving. My wife, when I started you know, being real busy. She said, give me December, give me December. So, uh, 
I usually start about the 1st of January and then end up uh, after that, the 1st of December. And usually I'm somewhere Monday, Tuesday, and somewhere else Thursday, Friday. Now, this week's been a little different. I was somewhere, I was in Pennsylvania Monday, Tuesday. I was in Crossville, Tennessee last night, and then tonight, tomorrow night, I'll be at Burnsville. Right. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I do that, but my wife has been very understanding, my family. Uh, my church has been very kind and gracious, and the Lord's opened the doors, and I've just tried to walk through them. Amen. Amen. You know, and I know over the years somebody. that you've done a lot like what Brother Billy did for you. You've took some young men under your wing that's driven you, taking you, you got you got somebody driving you tonight. Well, yes, I've tried to do that through the years, but have I got a second to talk about this? Yeah. Uh, back in the spring of last year, Boy, I got so burdened about it, the fresh and new. It seemed like there were so many people trying to discourage the next generation, yeah. and derail and to, to distract the next generation. I thought, I got to do something. God, please. Well, God was speaking to my heart. Uh, I, I, there's a songwriter named Sandy Blythe. She's written a lot of big songs for the wisdoms of different groups, but I heard a song she wrote called About Isaiah, Lord, here am I, send me. And, and there's a line in that song that got me. As you search this world over, don't look any farther. Mm. Lord, here am I. Send me. And boy, God, I knew the Lord was dealing with me about it. And God, what do I need to do for these young men? What do I need to do? And one Sunday morning, going to my to the church I pastored, I missed a turn. And I wound up at a, on a different road. And I thought, well, Lord, have mercy. So... At this stoplight, I was waiting on that stoplight to change, and I just said, I felt just like I did tonight, God called me to preach. I said, Lord, you're calling me. You're calling me to do something, and whatever it is, here am I. And I no more than said, here am I. And my phone rang. It was one of my friends. And he's weeping uncontrollably on the other end of the line. And I said, man, what's wrong? And one of the young preachers out of his church had taken his life mm -hmm. the Saturday night before. Mm -hmm. And I said, Lord, that's all the proof I need. And I went straight to my office and God gave me the whole thing. So I started a ministry this year called R&R, &R, Replenishing the Ranks. Amen. Helping the young preacher find, follow, and finish his calling. And that just simply consists of uh, different intervals. When I'm at different churches, we'll have a special fellowship just for them. And we'll feed them and just sit there and talk with them. Yeah. We're going to have a retreat this coming fall. I'll get more information about that. And I've got, I'm getting a list of preachers that will help me have what we call the Young Preachers Hotline. Hey, if you get discouraged, call this number right yeah, that's good. And talk to this man of God. Yeah. And then I've got some businessmen behind me, and uh, we're going to pray about, and that's the Lord laid on our hearts, the different young preachers that's in good schools, good ones. Yeah. Helping them financially <clears throat> and, and helping them along the way. And and uh, I just feel like we need to do something. Yeah, try that's to encourage good. these boys. There's plenty of camp meetings, plenty of conferences. Plenty of places they can go and get preached to. 
And I love preaching, and there's no substitute right. for it. I love Billy Kelly's preaching. I love Dr. Canoy's preaching. I love Mays Jackson's preaching. I love my daddy's preaching. But what I got from those men that's helped me the most was the personal yeah. investment right. they made. Yeah. Right, right. Sitting there eating with Mays Jackson. Yeah. Boy, let me tell you something. Sitting there eating with Billy Canoy or, Maze, or, or Billy Kelly or, or my dad. And I'll tell everybody, I'm a combination. I, I, I trust I'm God's man. God called me. And I want to be myself. But what you see in me is a little bit of him, a little right. bit of him. Right. Yeah. Dr. Canoy taught me how to study words. My dad taught me how to outline a passage. C.O. Roach taught me the value of an introduction. Yeah. Uh, Evangelism and communication, I learned from Brother Mays. Uh, uh, camp meeting, music, the Holy Ghost, joy of the Lord, I learned from Billy Kelly. Right. I got my people skills from my dad and mama, showed me how to treat people and love people. And you know, you get a little here, yeah. but I'm telling you, that personal investment. I read this quote the other Sunday, and they say that whoever started it is unknown, but I thought it's powerful. You want to touch the past, touch a rock. You want to touch the present, touch a flower. You want to touch the future, touch a life. Mm, that's good. And the only thing we leave behind is writings and print or people. Yeah. Right? Right. Or people. And uh, uh, I, I just feel like we got to do something. Right. Yeah. And so we started that ministry. It's been a blessing. Oh, I think that's great. I'm just in my mind thinking about the men that God has put in my life through the years, you know, that I've learned different things from them. Like you said, just not from a pulpit. But I remember when I first got saved, the, my first pastor, he would take me everywhere he went. And just it was a Bible study basically the whole time. And what I learned in, in his vehicle was priceless. I heard. Yeah, yeah, it was priceless. I've sat at a table and heard Billy Canoy and Mays Jackson and uh, that guy that used to uh, he used to pastor down in Louisiana, or just a brilliant mind. I've sat at the table just like and heard them guys talking about the deep doctrines of God. Mm. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> one of them said, Brother Joe, what do you think? I said, I don't know what to do. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Yeah. Right. Uh, that that that's a blessing. Yeah. And uh, I just want to be a blessing to the next generation. Amen. And what? I appreciate you strengthen the things that remain. Yeah. We better be doing a lot of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. Well, I, we appreciate you being here. That's one of the big things we yeah. wanted to do with this podcast is try to encourage young preachers. It's really why we started. Yeah, absolutely. Not everybody has to be a compromiser. The inter, no. uh, uh, you know, old-time religion's not full of a bunch of bad people. No. Yeah. Uh, I like what you say a lot. You know, I... You can be right and not be mad about it. Right. You know. This is what my daddy drilled into me. If a man changes, or church, or a singer, or a pastor, but if someone changes, I'm talking, I'm not talking about tweaking your ministry. I'm not talking about right. getting better. Right. I'm not talking about honing your skills. I'm not talking about sharpening the act. But I mean, to, to do, what is it, a 180? Right. Yeah. I mean, to totally change what you've always been. It, my daddy said it means one of two things. You was always wrong 
and then you finally got it right. Right. Or you were right and you went wrong. Yeah. And he said, either way, you owe your followers an apology. Right. Mm. And he said, God won't ever owe his followers an apology because he's always been right. Right, right. right. And I just, you, you take like those men that influenced you, the men that influenced me, they never changed. Yeah. Right. Because it was in their DNA. That's who they really were. Right. And because they were right, they didn't, if you're right, what are you going to change into? Right. Right. Wrong? Right. If you have truth, you change, that means error. Right. If, you, if you're right, you change, that means wrong. Right. And I, I just believe we need some more consistency. Yeah. Uh, Brother Sammy Allen was, uh, was a man that greatly influenced my life. Uh, not one I owed a difference. Yeah. From the day I met him to the day I preached his funeral. Right. Ed McAbee, from the day I met him to the day I preached his funeral. Right. Billy Kelly, from the day I met him to the day I preached his funeral. My father. Yeah. Amen. From my birth. Amen. To I preached his funeral. Yeah. I'm, I'm steady. Amen. Plowing. Yes. Loving people. Loving yes. the word of God. Leaning on the power of the spirit of yes. God. Yes. Amen. And I think it's wonderful. Amen, preacher. Amen. I want to encourage every young preacher and every old preacher. <laughs> don't swallow the bait. Amen. Don't take the lure. Don't believe the lie. Right. Uh, get with God. That was an old preacher Pilot Mountain, North Carolina, named Don College. He, uh, he passed away not long ago. Brother Don said, Lord God, honey, find out who you are in Jesus. Put your plow on the ground and stay there. Amen. Amen. And uh, it's worth every mile of the yes, trip. Amen. 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 Worth every mile of the trip. One last question. We try to remember to ask this to everybody that comes in. Sometimes we forget, but we try to remember. If you could go back, how old were you when you started preaching? 17. If you could go back and sit down with your 17-year-old self five minutes and give advice, what would you tell yourself? Well, pray harder. Study more diligent. Uh, don't get on your high horses too quick because <laughs> the school of hard knocks is tough. Yeah. Uh, watch some of the stuff that comes out your mouth. Because what you preach as a young man, you'll have to live as an old man. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, follow good advice, surround yourself with good people, yeah. and keep your eyes on Jesus, fight bitterness, don't, you know, and, uh, yeah, that's what I'd say. Amen. 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 That's Amen. good. I got one question real quick. Um, you travel a lot, and I was going to ask you that a little while ago. You travel a lot. I mean, you sound like you're gone the biggest part of the majority of the year on the road. Uh, and you're talking about studying. Just, how do you balance that, traveling so much and having finding time to study the Scripture? By the grace of God. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a big battle when you're on the road. You I know that. In, you study in motels, airplanes, airports, yeah. church studies, church basements, prophet rooms. Brother, you 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 you. You just get it the best you can. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I could write a book on balance. Well, I wish you would. Well, <laughs> the need of it. Yeah. But that's tough. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, one of the problems, the most toughest things as a, a, a well, you you got a church, you, you have meetings, you have a wife, you have children, uh, you have mission boards. 
responsibilities and sometimes balance and all of that yeah. is not easy and we're not perfect. Right. But there's a singer named Ron Martin that had a group one time called Rollins. He, 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 he helped me so much in a practical sense. He said, nobody's perfect. And we understand that. But he said, I believe God looks on our heart. Mm. And God knows our intent. And when our intent is right and our motive is right, God has mercy on us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. God knows you're in it for the right reason. Right. God knows you're in it for the right motive and the right purpose. And what we like on one end, God's grace kicks in on the other. Amen. Amen. And, uh, and I've probably not been the student I should have been. But, you know, that, that balance, it is yeah, hard. It is, yeah. But you just do the best you can and ask God to give you wisdom. Right. I guess one of my biggest uh, hurdles is I've always had a hard time saying no. I do. I have a hard time saying, Brother Joe, I need you this meeting, and oh, I need you here, and, and I need you there, and I have a hard time saying no, because, yeah. you know, I, it is, but yeah. sometimes you have to, mm -hmm. And uh, but now let me say this, my family and my wife and the church I pastor has been so gracious to me and helped me, and I've got the last uh, six 16 years of our ministry at our church, we've been able to have staff. Right. And, and God has given me a wonderful staff of men who can, that really took a great load right. off of me. Uh, in that area, you know, for the church responsibilities. But you're right, sometimes that balance yeah. is hard to find. That's tough. Sometimes you're on the road all day long. But you know, in reality, Though, if you didn't travel and you didn't preach for meetings and, and and you stayed at home all the time and you studied eight hours a day without the breath of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's right. That's and right. God being gracious enough to give yeah. you a message. Right. It's words on paper that's if you're right. not careful. Right. Right. You know, that's so, exactly right. You know, I think God realizes your, your efforts. He knows your motives and he'll come by and say, let me give you this. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Right. And yes, you know sir. what that's like. Yeah. And uh, God does look on the heart. He really does. Amen. 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 Well, it's been our privilege to have you. We I'm appreciate glad. it. We're Amen. glad you didn't say no to coming. Yeah. <laughs> <doing> yeah. <laughs> Anything that will strengthen. Yes. And especially now. Yeah. More than ever. Anything that will strengthen the next generation of the young preachers. I'm willing to do it. Amen. Amen. Stay with God. Pray fervently. Study. Write and divide the word of truth. But I want to emphasize and all of what we do, all is in vain. Amen. Without the kiss of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. It's God yeah. that makes a difference. Amen. Amen. I know we all got different gifts, we have different abilities. Weaknesses and strengths, but and all in all, it's the Lord. Amen. It's the power of the Holy Spirit, and all Jesus said, "Without me, you can do nothing." That's right. Amen. And Amen. I believe that more than ever. Amen. Amen. God bless you, brother. And let me say this: I'm proud of you guys. I'm proud of your generation. 
Thank God I'm proud of your generation. And I got Brother Alex over here. I'm proud of his generation. Amen. And I'm thanking the Lord for everyone that's making up the hedge and standing in the gap. Amen. 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 Well, we appreciate you joining us. Be sure and share. We're, I think we're on every podcast platform you can get on now as well as Facebook. So be sure and share the podcast. Get the word out. We appreciate you watching. And until next time, remember to strengthen the things that remain. Amen.